Turn with me once again in your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Samuel chapter 7. Uh, if you didn't bring your own Bibles today, you can find the text for the sermon, at least, uh, in your bulletin or on page 259 of those blue Bibles. It would be good to have it open. I'll make much reference to it, of course. Uh, I will confess to you that I'll be all over, uh, actually, the Bible uh, this morning, but nevertheless, uh, this is our text. This is now our second week of three in the first 17 verses of 2 Samuel chapter 7. Uh, Last week, I described this passage for us as not only one of the most significant and important passages, chapters to be found uh, in 2 Samuel, but really in all of the Old Testament as well. It is the declaration of the covenant that God has made, is making here with David, or what we call the Davidic covenant. And last week, our focus, as we looked at this text, was on the idea of a house being established. And we worked our way through the various uh, definitions, the various expressions of that term, house, as it's used in this particular text, from David's immediate house, uh, being an actual house in which he lives, uh, to thinking about a a house for the ark of God, which would be a temple, uh, to thinking about his household and the people who were in there, and then an eternal forever home, a forever house kingdom as well. Today, what we're doing is we're shifting our focus to the promised heir in that household. So we talked about the house last week. Now we're talking about the heir in that household who will be not only David's son, but will also be, as we'll read, God's son, not only a temporal king, but an eternal king over an eternal kingdom. Last week, then, we were with the Davidic covenant, a house established, and this week, the Davidic covenant, an heir promised. So here, the same portion of the Word of God, once again, our emphasis this week is going to fall on verses 12 and following in this text. This is the Word of God. Now, when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I've not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all the places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people. 
and I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies." Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever." In accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Lord, we pray that you would help us this morning to hear again the richness of your word, the sweetness of the promises that you have made. We thank you that they are all yes in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. So let's begin this sermon this morning with absolute and complete clarity and joy in our destination. I want there to be zero surprise in where this sermon and this text is taking us. As I have already noted, as we have been working our way through 2 Samuel at least one, if not two times, these are the opening words of your New Testament. Okay? Matthew 1.1, the opening words of the New Testament are these, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. And then, comma, the son of Abraham. The son of David, the son of Abraham. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about what we're talking about here. You can't look at this text and you can't go, huh, the pastor is connecting this text with Jesus himself. Is it really talking about Jesus or is it not talking about Jesus? Everybody knows, every writer of scripture knows this text is talking about Jesus, the son of David. Now, let me give you a couple of other passages from the New Testament just to have in your mind and I'm going to return to these at the end of our sermon. A blind man who is in the city of Jericho, uh, when Jesus is nearing the end of his life and he's pursuing or he's coming into Jerusalem, a blind man hears that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus then came into Jerusalem, the crowds cried out, 
Hosanna to the son of David. And just one other passage by way of reference, and there are many we could have chosen, but from our uh, reading, our New Testament reading already today, we read these words from Paul. And when he had removed him, that is when God had removed Saul from the kingship, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. That's what God promised to do. Of the offspring of David to bring forth the Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Son of David, and he shall reign forever and ever. And that fulfillment, that abundant fulfillment, that abundant consummation is based on the promises that are found in this text in 2 Samuel that I have just read for us. Verse 12, I will raise up your offspring after you. Verse 13, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Verse 14, I will be to him a father and he will be to me a son. Last week I described God's covenant with man as the overarching structure for all of Scripture. It is the way God relates to us. God relates to us through this covenant. And so the Davidic covenant and these promises that we have here are not kind of isolated, out of the blue, utterly new kind of things, but rather these things, these promises, these things that I've just reread for us now, just re-mentioned to us, are firmly set, grounded in the unfolding plan of God. And today what I want to do is I want to show us that more concretely. I said it last week, I want to show it to us concretely this week by focusing initially on this phrase that is found here where he says, I will raise up your offspring after you. Verse 12, after you lie down, after you're asleep, after you've died, I will raise up your offspring after you. Now, at the end of the sermon, I will have two applications for us that are not surprising or clever in any way at all, but they're wonderful, and we'll wait till we get to those. Until then, here's what I want to let you do. I want to let you, if you're familiar with this text or if you're familiar with the ones uh, that I'm reading today, great, great, enjoy it. If you're not familiar with them, if these seem new to you, if you've not heard how all of these things connect together, then sit back and enjoy and appreciate the way God has made these promises come together. May it refresh you and may it remind you of what I just prayed, that all of the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. That's where we're going. I will raise up your offspring after you. 
That's the beginning of this new line of promises that start here in verse 12 and then continue through uh, to verse 16 in particular that are here. It's this expanded idea of God building a house for David. We know from what we've read already that David had multiple children at this point, right? We know that. We've read that. We've seen that already. And that points us immediately to the idea that when God says, I'm going to raise up your offspring after you, there must be something unique about this particular offspring that is to come, this one who will be raised up. And as you read this text, and as we think about this text, on the one hand, some of the phrases that follow point to an immediate son who would succeed David and build the aforementioned house of the Lord, right? So there's an immediacy to this. And everybody who was reading 2 Samuel knew who that was. This is written after that has taken place. Now, in the moment that Nathan is hearing this and that David is hearing this, obviously, they don't know who that is. They don't know exactly how this will take place. But when this scripture is recorded, all the readers would immediately connect this with David's son, Solomon. And we'll get there as well as we continue to work our way through scripture. We'll see how God worked in David's son, Solomon. The point being here that there's a nearness and immediacy to these promises. Yea and amen. That's exactly true with these things. But what happens is that even within this text itself, let alone what Scripture then does with this text and how it's understood, the promises that are here become so extensive, so intensive, so expansive, that we can't help but think beyond the horizon of the next generation. And when I say we can't help but think beyond the horizon of the next generation, I'm not just saying we who are gathered here in this room or we who have read the New Testament. All of the authors of Scripture, when they reflect on these words that, I've just, that are here in this text, all of them recognize, whoa, 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 whoa. We are talking about something and someone beyond Solomon. Yes, we're talking about Solomon, to be sure, no doubt about it. But there's something beyond and someone beyond him as well. And that is true not only because of the projection into an eternal, a forever future. We pointed out last week all of the things that come in in verses 15 and 16 are kind of this forever language, a forever kingdom, a forever throne, a forever reign that will be there. It's not only because of a projection into eternal future, but it is because of the connection to an ancient past. Two things are happening at the same time. The future is being projected to be out here, but what happens in the words that are said right here is everybody who looks at that goes, wait a minute, that sounds like something else. An ancient past, past has brought us up to this point right here. So, the Hebrew word for offspring is also the word seed. And as I read through now a series of passages, sometimes it'll be the word seed, oftentimes it will be the word offspring that is used. But what I want you to hear, and I don't want you to turn to these with me because I don't want you to get all lost in the various places that I'm turning right now, is I want you to hear the development of this promise that I will raise up an offspring after you. Okay? It sounds 
pretty innocuous, pretty straightforward. But listen to where it comes from. All right, so stay with, you can jot down the references if you want to. Genesis 3.15, the word to the serpent. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring, a.k.a. seed, and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now that's said to the serpent. The serpent is on the lookout then. For an offspring of the woman, Adam and Eve hear this as well. It's recorded for us in Scripture. Adam and Eve hear this as well. And what they hear is there's going to be a Satan-crushing offspring coming through Eve. It's going to come through Eve, this one, this person who is to come. Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 and 9, after the flood. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you. Noah and his sons hear this. You will have offspring. Offspring are going to come from you. Much of the earth has just been destroyed. The people of the earth have been destroyed. But offspring are going to come from you. And not only are offspring going to come from you, but my covenant will be with them. My covenant will be with them. This covenant by which I preserve the earth will be with them. Genesis 15. Genesis 15, verses 2 through 5. Abraham, Abram, at this point, has received promises from God, but he's got a question. But Abram said, O Lord God, What will you give me, for I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Promise to Abraham, a twofold promise. You will have an offspring and you will have many offspring. Offsprings? As I was preparing it, I wanted to go with the word offspringers. You're going to have many offspringers coming out of you. Many are going to spring forth from you. Many are going to spring forth from this line. Psalm 105 then says, of the people of God, we are the offspring of Abraham. Genesis 17, verses 6 and 7, continuing with Abraham. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. Kings shall come from him? You mean ones who reign on thrones will come to him? Now we're coming to the Davidic covenant. We've got offspring coming, and we've got offspring that are promised eternal thrones. Kings from you are going to come, Abraham. And then verse 7, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you 
and to your offspring after you. Kings are going to come forth. I will be in covenant with those kings and with their people. Then, to the offspring of Abraham, that is to say, Isaac, in Genesis chapter 26, verses 3 and 4, we read these words. Sojourn in this land, this is God speaking, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all of these land. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis 28, Isaac's son, Jacob, uh, after he's in the dream and he sees the ladder slash stairs ascending or descending from heaven down, we read this in 28, 13 through 14. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your offspring shall all of the families of the earth be blessed. And in our call to worship this morning, you, we, the people of God, were called the offspring of Jacob the seed of Israel. In Exodus chapter 32, after the golden calf, when God threatens to wipe out said offspring because of their rebelliousness, saying to Moses, I will cause offspring to come forth from you. I'll make a whole new set of offspring to come forth from you because of this sin that they have committed. We read Moses then praying to the Lord in chapter 32, verse 13. Abraham, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, a.k.a. Jacob, your servants to whom you swore by yourself and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. God, remember what you said. Remember what you promised. Remember what you swore. Remember what you covenanted about the offspring. In Ruth 4, when Boaz marries Ruth, They say to him, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring the Lord will give you by this young woman. Who are the offspring that come from the young woman? Obed, who is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David. And they bless with these words, may your house be like the house of Perez whom Tamar bore to Judah. I skipped over a prophecy in Genesis chapter 49, given with respect to Judah, with respect to the tribe of Judah, that says the scepter shall not depart from the hand of Judah, that is the rule shall not depart from the hand of Judah until he comes whose it is to rule. 
the king to come, the offspring to come, will be of the tribe of Judah. That's the history. That's the connection that this promise to David comes into. And then the prophets take off with it. Jeremiah 33 says this, As the host of heaven cannot be numbered, and the sands of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the offspring of David, my servant. That's just picking up on the old promises. That's 300 years after, 400 years after David. Your descendants are going to be multiplied like that. Isaiah points us to Jesus himself in Isaiah 53 of the suffering servant. And Isaiah says this, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. Jesus didn't have any children. He had no earthly offspring, but he had offspring. He had offspring because that's what was promised to him after his soul made that offering. And then, of course, Paul picks up this theme. Look at the front of your bulletin with me uh, for just a moment. Paul picks up this theme. Look at the bottom one of the two references there. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is Christ. Paul says, this promise goes to one. Not to many, not to plural, but to one. The opening verses of Romans say the same thing. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through the prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. There's one offspring. There's one offspring that's being promised. The offspring who is the Christ, the son of David. But... Paul can play with the word because the word works as a singular and the word works as a collective noun as well. And that's the Romans 4 reference also on the front of your bulletin. For the promise to Abraham and to his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. All y'all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because Abraham is the father of us all, making us all the offspringers, the ones who have come off of the one offspring. That's the good news of the promise. An heir is coming. An heir for both the immediate and an heir for the distant horizon. And then the particulars follow in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And if you'll allow me just to work through those quickly, I'm going to toggle between Solomon and Jesus with respect to these promises. In verses 12 and 13, here's the promise. I will establish his kingdom. I will establish his throne. 
The book of 1 King tells us, So Solomon sat on the throne of David his father, and his kingdom was firmly established. That's applied to Solomon. It's fulfilled by Solomon. Jesus himself comes preaching the gospel of the kingdom and gathering his offspring for the eternal kingdom. And he was declared to be, this is the continuation of that Romans passage that I read, he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated, a.k.a. he is enthroned at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, which is exactly what Scripture predicted. Psalm 110, a psalm of David. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make an enemy, until I make your enemies your footstool. footstool. Sit on this throne, on this eternal throne in the heavenly Jerusalem at my right hand. Sit there, enthroned forever as the king. In verse 13, here's the promise. He will build me a house. We know exactly how that's fulfilled by Solomon. Solomon built, he completed, he constructed the temple. Jesus calls the temple his father's house. And we read this. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the Scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build it. Who is the church? The church is the household of the living God. He will raise his body, and he, as the house, as the master, as the son over the house, will increase the household. He'll build the house. Verse 14, I will be to him a father, and he shall be my son. The sonship of Solomon is seen in the wisdom and the abundance and the greatness that the Lord bestowed on him. Psalm 2 gets at that idea by saying this, verse 6, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. The Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Does that apply to David? Sure, it applies to David. Does it apply to Solomon? Sure, it applies to Solomon. And the writer of Hebrews says, wait, 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 It's Jesus. Today, today he's been begotten. Today he is declared to be the Son of God. The sonship of Jesus is declared in the declarations from heaven. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Verse 14. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men with the stripes of the sons of men. No mere human king could ever bear the weight of the crown. Heavy lay the crown, too heavy for a mere man to handle. And so Solomon, like David, and all of the subsequent kings fall into iniquity, and they are disciplined for it. And they are disciplined severely for it. Christ never 
committed iniquity. But as king, he bore the iniquity and he bore the discipline of the other kings and of their citizens in his body. He was pierced for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. By his wounds, we are healed. He committed no sins himself. He took all of them upon himself. And the promised steadfast love of this Davidic covenant, the love that will not be taken, is thus secured. It is secured by covenant. It is secured by oath. It is secured by promise. It is secured by the obedience to and the love of the Son for his Father. It is secured by the blood. It is secured by the resurrection of the Son of David, the eternal King. We'll speak more about the security of this next week. And in the promised heir, we become heirs. In the promised heir, we become heirs. Galatians 3.29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Galatians 4.28. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of the promise. Two applications for you today. First is this. Pray like a blind man. Pray like a blind man. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When you're confronted by the pain of life, by the wickedness of the world, by desperation and despair in your heart, by the repeated horror of your own sin, the loneliness of your souls, the fears of life and the fears of death, pray like a blind man. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. All of the promises of God now belong to Jesus, now are fulfilled in Jesus, the son of David. Jesus is the king. He reigns with almighty power on the eternal throne that God has given to him. And because he has secured through his obedience the love, the steadfast love, the chesed for you Hebrew lovers, because he has secured that, he has a store of love and mercy. Pray. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Do you not know Christ? Are you here today, unbelieving in Christ? Amen. Oh, Today's the day. Cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have you been a believer for 40 years? Today's the day. Jesus, Son of David, surety of the covenant, have mercy on me. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, application two, 
They shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna in the highest. They hailed him. Salvation to the Son of David. Salvation in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed. This is praise. This is praise they are rendering. The root of David, as Revelation calls him, has conquered. And our response is the response of heaven. Worthy is the king. Worthy is the king to receive blessing. The king is the distributor of blessing and the receiver of blessing. We, the offspring, give blessing to the king. The king gives blessing to us, and the king commands to us, be a blessing. In my name, go out and bless all the nations of the earth, all the peoples of the earth, all the families of the earth. They'll be blessed in you. Go, bless, gather together and praise the Lord and extend the blessing. Blessing and honor and glory forever to the son of David whom we worship. An heir was promised to David For us, the heir has been given, he has conquered, and he reigns forever and ever. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Great God in heaven, thank you that you keep your promises, that you keep your word. In that is our life, in that is our hope. Hosanna to the Son of David. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. In your name we pray. Amen.